This podcast is brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within federal, state, and local government agencies. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Robert Brammer. He's Vice President and Chief Technology Officer at Northrop Grumman's Information Systems, one of the largest IT integrators employed by the federal government. Thanks for taking time, Dr. Brammer. Oh, it's good to be here, Eric. Over the next six months, a year or two, maybe four or five years out, what are the technologies organizations will be looking for to safeguard this infrastructure, and how are these technologies evolving? There are a number of, of key trends. There is, within the federal government, a major initiative to consolidate data centers, to uh, exploit the cloud computing architectures in various ways to reduce the environmental footprint of these information systems to make them much more energy efficient and then a, a large uh, pressure from the end users to increase uh, capabilities for mobile operations. So there are many significant trends here, all of which have security implications. Those of us involved in cybersecurity will have to deal with these new architectures. There'll be no slowing down this sort of progress because there are very good business reasons for all of the changes, environmental factors, increased mobility, reduced costs, and so forth. But we will have to deal with the security implications. How is tackling those issues from a business perspective, environmental perspective, a good thing for securing IT as well? You constantly have to evaluate your risks and your trade-offs because you have competing requirements, and, of course, it's not only about security. You're the CIO. You have a budget you have to live with. You have user requirements you have to meet. You have various regulatory requirements, and, of course, you have to secure the infrastructure. It's all about the various trade-offs. And one of the interesting ones that we've been doing a lot of research on is the issue of trade-offs between environmental performance, green IT, and cybersecurity. All security systems consume energy. If you introduce additional security systems to uh, improve your security posture, then you have increased your energy consumption. So you have to be sure that the additional uh, energy required by security systems is, in fact, worth the trade-off there. I mean, the physical analog of this is if you want an environmentally friendly environment, turn out the lights. If you want a safe workplace, turn on the lights, and you have to make those trade-offs constantly. And there are financial implications, performance implications, and functional requirements that uh, your users are requiring from your information systems that all of those have to be met, and there are constant trade-offs involved. How has the trade-offs between efficiencies that IT delivers and security changed over the past few years, and how do you see that changing going into the future? I think there's much more awareness now of the security implications just in the past couple of years than there was beforehand. Previously, security wasn't really much of a priority, and it was definitely low on the totem pole. And security officers had real challenges justifying their budgets. With the increased awareness of cyber threats and statements from senior government officials, including the President of the United States, about the importance of the subject, security is becoming more into balance with some of the other requirements that the CIOs have to address. 
do organizations, when they build in more security, are they sacrificing efficiency, or is there ways to actually secure systems without having that sacrifice? I think you need to think about efficiency in, in a few different ways there. Sure, the users may not like having to key in passwords or adhere to various security policies, and so there could be some relatively minor impacts on the users on a day-to-day basis because they have to comply with various security policies and procedures. On the other hand, if those policies and procedures prevent major disruptions, then all those minor impacts from the security systems would be dwarfed by the impact of a major security disruption on the corporate network. I think you have to look at efficiency from a broader viewpoint. You work with a lot of vendors as you bring IT services to governments and military and other organizations in your job and Northrop Grumman's services it provides. Are you seeing more secure products coming out from the vendors? Are they hearing this too? Yes. I mean, you're right. We deal with dozens, if not hundreds, of of different providers or uh, given projects that we have, but we're not primarily a product firm. We're much more of an integrator. We do look in, in detail at all the products that we would include in our systems. Yeah, I think you would find individually the point products are, if you look at their progress, there's no question that the newer versions or the newer products are more capable, more functional than those that we saw a few years ago. On the other hand, these security threats that we're facing, particularly in some of the very sensitive government projects that we have, the commercial products by and large uh, by themselves do not meet these requirements. And that's why we are continually researching and developing advanced technologies to address some of the special situations that we have to deal with. Is there a reason they don't? Is it just that the threats are evolving so quickly or the technologies involved with these threats are evolving quickly, or is it just that it takes time for the vendors to understand this is what we have to do? I think it's some of all of those factors. If you look at normal commercially available antivirus software, it will deal with viruses for which there are known signatures, but it's not going to deal with the specially developed threats on the part of foreign intelligence organizations wanting to penetrate the networks of either U.S. government agencies or or major corporations. There is this constant evolution of these products, and generally the defensive products are in a reactive posture because the offense is continually creating new approaches to penetrating these networks. Which raises the question, uh, is there a way to be less reactive and be more proactive? Obviously, there are programs like Einstein underway that, that which intrusion detection prevention systems the government's developing. What do you see the state of the art there now, and where do you see that evolving, and is there hope that organizations will become less reactive? I think there is hope. We have some new concepts that are being pursued that I think if they can be shown to be successful on a large scale, be very effective. Last summer, a number of us got together at a meeting sponsored by the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, called the National Cyber Leap Year Summit, and we discussed a number of advanced leap-ahead technology concepts, including such things as moving target defenses and cyber economics and trusted domains and so forth. And there there are some very viable concepts in all of these areas. There is a, a focus now by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and other government agencies working together to develop an advanced research program that would develop some of these uh, concepts. One of the things that we have addressed in our own research program is the concept of moving targets. Most information systems 
from a security viewpoint, are relatively static. They, you know, get patched from time to time as or upgraded with new versions of software, but on a day-to-day basis, they don't change very much. Whereas with some of the moving target concepts, you would change the uh, security posture very frequently, perhaps even every few minutes, which would make penetrating such systems much more difficult for an intruder. Now, it's difficult to do that on a large scale at the moment, but a number of us are, are researching this on and seeing how we could scale this up to major operations. I think there's also the issue of cyber economics. There are two perspectives there. One is sort of the macroeconomic issues of who has the right kind of economic incentive to address these security issues and the microeconomic question of what is the value of security? How do you measure security in a way that you could place a value on it the way you could place value on uh, revenues and profits? Those are some open issues at the moment, but they are receiving some serious research attention. In developing these kinds of solutions, should the government take the lead in this, or is this something the industry should take the lead? I think it's hard to give a flat answer to that question. I think there are certain areas in which the government is obviously in a position to have a lead role, and these would deal with things like national policy, legislation, questions related to regulations, and so forth. I mean, those are very legitimate governmental functions, and there's no question that the government should be in a lead role. On the other hand, in terms of various implementations, uh, most of the critical infrastructure in the United States is privately owned, and industry has the responsibility there of improving the security of it in areas like the power grid or transportation systems. I think there are plenty of opportunities for leadership from both the government and from industry. Anything else you'd like to discuss? What we will see in the next few years is a broadening of cybersecurity issues beyond uh, what most people think of as IT security. So there will be much more attention focused on critical infrastructure systems because all of these systems are becoming so computerized that that brings with them the uh, possibility of vulnerabilities and security issues. Security threats in a modern automobile, for instance, there are 100 computers in a car, and security risks are present in the modern automobile these days. There's been a lot of discussion about the smart grid, electric power, and and the need to modernize the infrastructure of, of the country, and a lot of good reasons to do that. But, of course, that brings about various policy issues, privacy issues, security issues, and so forth that will have to be addressed before we can fully implement those smart grid concepts. I think going forward, we'll see a lot more attention on the infrastructure area without, I hope, losing focus that we're beginning to build on the operation of our information systems. Yeah, I just want to go back. You mentioned the thing about automobile. Can you give an example of how all the computers that we see now and will continue to see evolve in the automobiles would prevent some kind of security issue. And some very interesting work published in the last few months uh, in the IEEE Transactions on Security and Privacy about security audits of the modern automobile. And the diagnostics port on a car is uh, a USB port. That would be one way of introducing malware into the car. Most cars have 50, 100, or even more computers that control brakes and accelerators and steering and displays and so forth. This research has demonstrated is that it is possible to take over a car. 
pulling the brakes, accelerator, the steering wheel, despite whatever the driver might want to do. Modern automobiles are highly vulnerable from a uh, cybersecurity view. As you look at IT and you look at IT security, they are really need to be one and the same. They, they really can't be divorced anymore. Are you suggesting that it that goes even beyond just that and includes almost everything we do in our lives these days or will be doing? In the environment that we live in today, I think all of our engineers, and this, this is an impact on the educational system, but our engineers have to be taught basic security principles. This is not only a domain for specialists. I mean, we've all seen that, you know, the general public needs some awareness of this, make sure that they're installing the right kind of virus signatures and so forth on their computers. And then, of course, we have more need for the real specialists, and there have been a number of reports recently about the shortfalls and the manpower crisis in security expertise. But there's a sort of a middle level of you know, all the engineers that are designing our transportation systems or our communication systems and so forth. We have to realize now that these systems have to be designed uh, from the point of view that somebody may try to damage them, attack them maliciously, exploit them, and so forth, whereas in previous years, that really wasn't much of a consideration. We hear a lot about terrorists trying to bring down airplanes. Are we coming to an age where terrorists could all of a sudden take over automobiles and cause accidents on our interstate highways? The risk of that in the near term is not very high. It's something that's theoretically possible. What I would hope is that the automobile companies recognizing this would take some action to address it before it becomes more of a viable threat not just automobiles or airplanes or whatever, that almost anything in, in our society can become a, a target. That's the point I'm making is as the trend is to put more information technology into everything that we do, whether it's cars, airplanes, power grids, water supplies, that we have to think about the security aspects of the design. These systems, within reason, have to be able to withstand certain types of attempts to attack or exploit them. And it's a terrible thing to have to say, but I think that's the way the world is these days. Thank you very much, Dr. Brammer. It's been a good discussion. Thank you for your questions. That's Dr. Robert Brammer, Vice President and Chief Technology Officer of Northrop Grumman's Information Systems. I'm Eric Chabra of GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.GovInfoSecurity.com.